Good evening! Welcome to the Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast, the official podcast of FinalFantasy.Fandom.com, the internet's uh, number one, I suppose, Final Fantasy Wiki. I-, I think we're on the top of the Google charts, right? We're definitely number one. We're definitely number one. Number one in our hearts, number one on the Google charts, number one in your mind. If there aren't any other Final Fantasy Wikis out there, uh, please delete your website. Because you are not needed. We are better than you. Uh, also, we wow, are... Wow, yeah. that got really mean. It did get really mean, but you know what? We don't need the competition. This is our territory. <laughs> we do it better than anyone else. And, um, you know... Also, uh, other languages, thank you for your service. We're the best English language Final Fantasy wiki that exists. Yeah, all respect to all of them. They have a grind out there. Yes. The other languages. Yes. Uh, so, my name is Blue Highwind, and I host this thing that we do every month. Um, joining me are these two people. Uh, hi, I'm Sam Kalamach. My name is Techno Obliterator, and I don't host this. I've never hosted this before, but I do appear all the time. You are on this a lot. We This has kind of become the main trio at a certain point. At this point, yeah. Yeah, we are sort of okay. the main cast. With a reliable Just a lot of the admin schedule either doesn't line up or they don't volunteer when when it does line up. Yeah, yeah, it helps that we both have jobs that are like flexible hours jobs. And I'm the one that like pushes to make this happen. Mm. <laughs> so I have to I have to literally go in and grab two people and uh, some core mage and techno obliterator just happen to be the ones that run the slowest. So anyway, I would not place any bets on that. that uh, I run the slowest. I'm pretty sure I could out sprint you. I yeah, in I, real I mean, life. He's also got uh, very very long arms. I mean, he reaches all the way from was it like New New York or so, all the way over to Sydney to grab me? So North Jersey. North I, Jersey. Okay. North Jersey. I have sloopy loopy arms. If you get yeah, that joke, be you've been on the internet too long. <laughs> To be fair, if your arms are that long, it doesn't matter how fast you run, really. Well, my arms are so long that if you run really fast, I'll just throw another arm around the earth and catch you from that direction. Mm. See? You can't avoid me. Not on a spherical planet. You'll need to find some other kind of dimension. I think we've I think we've ended up off topic, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't take this very long. <laughs> it did not, no. So, uh, on tonight's program, we are first going to talk about news, then it is time. You've all been waiting for it. It's the summer of more, but we did it just in time for the joke to not be funny anymore. Because... It's morbid time. Yeah, yeah, no one cares anymore, it's over. No one cares anymore. If we had done it last month, it would have been very funny, but now, no one cares. So, it's Final Fantasy Mobius is the game we will be discussing. But first, we got hot news. So much hot news. This was honestly kind of a big month, so we're going to have to go through it. Uh, I think first thing we need to talk about is uh, some color mage. I know this was about three weeks ago, but what was up with these billboards? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Final Fantasy fourteen had a very interesting week at the beginning of the month so uh first of all the, they had the reveal of the next uh, the next patch and a lot of people got really 
mad because uh, every expansion in Final Fantasy XIV has a uh, storyline about about you making a weapon that gets uh, that uh, throughout the expansion it gets uh, improved more and more as you go through the storyline. And this uh, this expansion, they announced that this uh, that this expansion's uh, weapon quests are going to be about Hildebrand, the recurring comedy quest line that a lot of people get annoyed at. Oh, so, lots of one. people mad. Um, and then there was a patch at the beginning of this month that uh, introduced the introduced uh, the feature that uh, uh, from now on, because uh, it used to be that you could, uh, when you start on a server, you can then cross over into any server on that data center. And they upgraded that so that now you can visit every data center in one location. And then within a few hours, the system completely crashed and they had to put out a message saying, you, you guys were using this 15,000 times a minute. We can't put up, we can't keep up with that. <laughs> and they did eventually fix that. But then the billboards happened. Okay. So this, uh, th there's this one, on everyone's favorite server for drama, Baomung. Uh, Baomung is an American server. It is the biggest server on the uh, on the Crystal Data Center, uh, which was basically a data center created just to quarantine Baomung because it was too fucking big. Like when they announced it's like Baomung and seven small servers. Um and this uh, free company was holding an, an event in the game and they decided well we're going to promote this in the real world billboards in texas and california and display our our fucking event that we're going our summer spectacular or whatever i forget what it was called uh, um and then things, of course, went to absolute shit the second they showed up. Um, because, well, just, you can tell just from the premise of the entire thing, this was entirely fucking stupid. Um, so they but they made it worse. Wait, wait, so they some... bought several no, real life billboards. I think they supposed to have bought like four, but the ones in California hadn't gone up yet before they, they called the whole thing off. Um, <laughs> Okay, so so I'm sorry. Um, I'm I'm not versed in Final Fantasy XIV, so this is not Square Enix buying billboards. This is a guild in effect. This is, yeah, this is this is you know just regular players of the game. Uh -huh. uh, well, I use regular, but they're a free company on Balmung, so uh, re regular is being stretched very hard here. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> And yeah, they bought the, these billboards to promote their own event that they made that had nothing to do with Square Enix, uh, which is, of course, where one of the problems came in uh, because they actually used the Final Fantasy XIV logo on these billboards, uh, which is very much against the terms of service. Oh. Huh. <laughs> um, and they managed to make that even worse uh, because one of the... Uh, uh, one of their characters that they put on on this billboard 
was uh, wearing an outfit that hasn't been released yet um, so the only way they could have done that is if you know they data mined that information and then modded it back into the game which is even more against the terms of service and uh, and just like that part of Fallout uh, that was pretty swift uh, Square Enix uh, just like banned the banned the user that owned that character for a couple weeks so if some idiot <laughs> decided to yeah. advertise to the whole of the, so to the whole of the state like yo I did something illegal in this game yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Why would you like? What the fuck? So you didn't just post it on Reset Error or anything like that with an anonymous account. You posted it over a freeway over a city. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So right, I think uh, I forget where they all are. I think one of them was like outskirts of Dallas, and and like one of them was in like the middle of an industrial district. How how many people are going? How many people who actually play Final Fantasy fourteen are going to see a billboard like that's nowhere near where people live? We're all shut-ins. Um, oh, I, I don't know. Some of them must drive. It's Texas. You can't. They don't. That's like a third-world country. They don't have public transportation there. Hey, true. It's true. Oh, I'm yes, sorry. It's true. true. Well, well, well. You guys do have a high-speed rail project that, in theory, may happen. So. In theory, may yeah. happen. In yeah. theory, may happen. Yes. You know, God, knows? God bless Hopefully, you, please. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um. But yeah, to those who live outside the U.S., because it freaked me out when I came here. Like, they have so many. Like, they just have a ton of different billboards on the side of the road, and nine times out of ten, like it's like accident lawyers or something like that. Oh, this is not lawyers or just. Or just religious preaching. There's a ton of that on billboards it, from what I understand. There is a decent, yeah, there is a decent amount of religious preaching, right? There is a good amount of it, but nine times out of ten, it's accident lawyers. It's um, you know, sometimes there's political campaigns there, but they just have these like massive things. And the point is because people drive so much and they drive so far that they have these just on the side of what like what blue was saying like a freeway right and the idea is like you know that some passenger in the car will see a number on the side of it and then text that number right whereas you know in europe obviously the roads are a lot smaller so you don't really have a space for a billboard like that they just have regular old advertising but yeah i yeah, get so uh effectively a a billboard is going to reach a lot more people than, like, you know, your average, like, poster on the wall that you'd see in Europe would do. Yeah, I can tell you uh, the billboards on my way home today were uh, there's a new chicken sandwich at a restaurant chain. That's Panera Bread. There's a new chicken sandwich. They wanted us to know that. Uh, Shen Yun, mm -hmm. that weird kind of regressive yeah, Chinese political dancing. thing. Yeah, that... They were advertising yeah, that. They have that. Uh, multiple hospitals. That. Um, extremely yep. upsetting billboard for a children's hospital. I, I don't particularly need that one driving. And um, let me think. What else? Uh, oh, there was a Save Ukraine one that was up. That was up for a while. Yeah. So that's that's unusual in the rest of the world because that's that's just part of the fabric of my miserable existence here in this country. 
Yeah, I mean, bill billboards exist here, but why the fuck is there a billboard for a hospital? Jesus Christ! Look, yeah, I, I can't even. Why the hospital was there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even begin to tell you what's going on with the politics. I actually recently there's been a big uptick in children's hospital advertisement. I don't know why that is. Um, I you know what? It's probably end. Of, we're way off topic, but I think it's end of COVID and I, stuff I like mean, that. I can make a guess, but yeah, it's off topic. And even if it wasn't, I wouldn't want to vocalize it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that sounds fair enough. All right, yeah, so... so but, but basically, what you need to know for the context of the story is, you know, a billboard like that is going to reach a lot of people. Like, a lot of people. So they must have spent a shit ton of money on it. Like, because yeah, they're competing and... with freaking, you know... Panera Bread. These, like, all these... Yeah, they're competing <laughs> with, like, Panera Bread and all these massive corporations. Yeah. So this must have gone for a lot. So basically... Whoever runs this freaking FC, they must have all like pulled their money together and had enough for four billboards in the state of Texas. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. But... So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. This all went to shit for various reasons, and uh, people just started piling on them even harder and harder. Uh, accusations came out that they'd been. Uh, embezzling money from charity fundraisers to pay for this Jesus stuff uh, oh wow this gets even just, weirder i i am just bringing up some of the this stuff i have because i can't remember it all and it was still a complete train wreck uh and like people flooded their discord servers and uh we got some spectacular fucking posts from them trying to defend themselves um i just I got a couple here. I'll, I'll read them out because holy shit. For the people hating on this, you're a bunch of stupid, uh, C-word. It's a fun marketing tactic and you're just mad because you don't have the money nor mental capacity to hire to get this done. So fucking what if it's bordering on IP issues? You're not the company, you're not their legal team. Get back to sucking on your mum's ancient tit and quit your whining. Whoa. But the people who are here what for fun music can't wait for Saturday. What the fuck? So that's Balmung, huh? Alright. Wait, so they uh, put that on a billboard? The, well, the, no, they didn't put that on the billboard. That's okay. uh, that's something in their Discord server after people start whining at them. And, oh, and okay. I'm going to say another one uh, because this is a spectacular one. Uh, and if anyone in, in is familiar with my Twitter account, you might notice that I replaced part of my username with a few emojis. This post is why. Okay, everyone, since you don't listen when I'm nice, I'm going to get mean. Reacting to messages with a clown, a skull, or a nerd face isn't funny. It's not cool. It's not interesting. It's annoying. Those three emojis in particular aren't funny. They're rude. We as staff work hard to keep this place safe and to have you all constantly react to our messages with mean emojis <laughs> makes me furious. Stop reacting oh, to no. our messages with rude emojis. They do nothing but make me look really, really stupid. It shows you have no rebuttals to our arguments, so you have to use juvenile tactics paramount to terrorism in order to... <laughs> to stop us from being able to speak our truth. And now, if you react with any, any mean emojis, I am writing your name down. 
If you are a serial reactor, your username is going to a Google Doc. At the end of the month, I will take this up to the appropriate authorities for them to investigate and arrest you. Okay. All right. This is people putting fucking billboards in this country. Guess what the what the three top reactions to that message are, and was it the turtle emoji, perhaps? That 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 one is that one is not not on there. Surprisingly, I mean it might have eventually, but at the time of this screenshot, we have two popcorns, five tomatoes, six L's. <laughs> uh, 25 nerd faces, 25 skulls, and th in first place, 32 clowns. Okay, <laughs> well, I, I think the crowd has spoken. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this eventually just collapsed until a bunch of these people basically hid their entire online presence. Oh, um, man. On, on a side note, uh, they this FC did have a website because a lot of free companies have their own websites for some reason. They took this down smartly, but of course it was already on the Internet Archive. I went to this website and God it was like the apex of dawn of the century. We don't need to actually program in HTML anymore. We just make our entire website out of flash energy. Oh, Everything I, was I so shoddily animated. Uh, and like, you know, flash doesn't exist anymore so this is all done in html5 which you know hurts me even more as someone who is like a professional javascript pro programmer and god it was so sluggish and overly animated also they had this one room that they advertise as a sex dungeon and this is the tamest sex dungeon i've ever seen okay <laughs> i i want to go and huh. i want to go and be the nice guy to these guys because you know they like their game Alright, they like their games so much yeah. they're willing to spend $10,000 probably per day. If that, I, I, a lot more I don't know. I, I actually have no idea how much a billboard costs, and I'm not going to look it up. But I, I'd say 10. Yeah, you're looking You're looking at 10,000, 100,000, probably less than a million, obviously. Uh, but, you know, they just wanted to go have fun, and it blew up in a very bizarre way. And, you know, I'm not going to hate on them for using Square Nexus IP because fuck IP law. I don't care. Go ahead. You want to go put Cloud Strife kissing Sephiroth on a billboard? I think you're the hero in that story. Um, but once you kind of... I mean, yeah, it's not that billboard. That is... Yeah. But uh, when you get to the point when <laughs> you have to start putting... You know, once you get to the point that it becomes that level of blow up, at that point, it's time you got to take the L unfortunately yeah honestly i just love i love that freaking rant that the the mandem did about yo like why are you reacting with the clown emoji yeah that's that's when you've lost that's when you've lost you've lost the argument at that yeah, point that... yeah yeah <laughs> um and yeah uh so that's about it for that one there is one more uh recent Final Fantasy fourteen thing because uh, well, well cause, didn't they like, get banned? The this the month, um, they, sorry, some comments. Didn't this guild get banned? banned? No, they banned one person for for a few weeks because of uh, the blatant modding on display okay. on the billboard. But uh, aside from that, they uh, haven't really done anything. Okay. Uh, well. I mean, 
so there's just one more Final Fantasy 14 thing that's a bit more recent so at the start of the month they're introducing the next major patch uh, a couple days ago uh, they put out the key art for that uh, the art is uh, focused around the, uh, the the patches raid the second tier of uh, of uh, pandemonium which is uh, about basically uh, hunting down a bunch of monsters that got loose in a uh, in a secret uh, ancient facility in the region that takes place like 15,000 years ago and a lot of people have gotten really thirsty for this art because there's uh, this guy in the middle that everyone is pretty sure is La Habrea and He's fucking hot in this art. Let me see if I can find this art. Uh, this is Buried Memory. Is that what this new expansion is called? This is 6.2. Yeah. All right. Buried yeah. Memory key art. I'm going to go find it. La Habrea. I thought that was a chick. So that tells you how... No, oh, La Habrea is the dude. So people are, people are thirsty for the daddy in the middle here? Yep. Okay, not the pink-haired dude on the left. I, I'm pretty sure people are thirsty for him too, but he he was part of the story in the earlier earlier patches, so they've already thirsted at him. What is he holding a baby in the sort? No, I'm I'm not sure what he's doing. Uh, uh, I gotta look at look at this thing again now. Cause well, there's a there's an evil version of the daddy at the bottom. There's uh, two twinks jutting him on either side. There's somebody in the back behind a cathedral. There's a lot going on here. Alright, you know what? If, if you're freaky for La Habrea, be freaky for La Habrea. Yeah. So I guess that was uh, our... The, the yes. guy holding the baby, do you mean the guy on the right? I think that's no, just his, uh, his mask. No, 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 no. It's the guy in the middle. I, it, I'm not sure what he's holding. He's holding... His arm is, like, to oh. his left and he's, like, holding something. Oh, the red thing? That that yeah. would be his mask, and that's why oh. they're pretty sure it's La Habrea, because, like, the leaders of the of the ancients uh, have red masks. Oh, is this the uh, Organization 13 crew? Yeah. Okay, all right, these are the well, Askians. The versions of them. This is yeah. the past Askians? Am I right? Yeah. All right, I know some Final Fantasy XIV yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, the one in the middle is probably Labrea, the one on the right is probably Elidibus, and the one on the left is Labrea's son. Oh. Well, good for you. Pink hair. That, that one uh, that one shocked people because everyone thought of Labrea as a complete weirdo gremlin, and then in patch 6.01 or whatever, it's revealed the dude fucked. Oh, well. I mean, good for you, La Habrea. Not everyone in Final Fantasy gets to fuck. Yeah. Like, you know, I, you know, I was going to name characters, so I'm not going to do it. So, um, I guess we should do the rest of July's news, right? Yeah. So, uh, speaking of expansions or whatever, we have uh, Final Fantasy Origin? Stranger Paradise. Remember that thing? Chaos game. Yeah, Shadow yep. the Hedgehog is yeah. a new update. <laughs> it's uh, Trials of the Dragon King, where uh, I, I've, Bahama, basically. I, I've seen a clip where you become Bahamut and you blow shit up, and it looks 
pretty goddamn awesome. Um, yeah, like, like some, uh, I, I haven't played this yet, and I can explain why later, other than I've been playing a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the big centerpiece new job is summoner and jack being jack you know he doesn't give a fuck about those lesser summons he just wants to summon bahamut and keep summoning bahamut and wreck shit with with him well this was my there main was complaint so because there was no bahamut and bahamut is a major part of final fantasy one it's essential that he's here mm. and now we know the answer is because they saved it for dlc Yes, how much is this DLC? Because I remember this game had a season pass. I'm trying to look that up. Uh, so, I believe that it's only available in as a season pass. So, Oh. Yeah, it's kind of like how, how Nintendo does DLC. Uh, they okay. just bundle all of it at once and you just buy it, buy it all at once. So it's yeah. $30. It the season pass is currently standalone or you, can, or you have to get the upgrade or... Uh, yeah, it's kind of bullshit because it's like, you know, you don't know if the DLC is going to be good yet. You're kind of like, you're putting money down on the promise that maybe you'll enjoy it. Well, you can still like, buy the but... DLC now. It's $30. I think you can purchase it whenever you want. Okay. The only yeah. time I bought a season passed was for Final Fantasy XV. And the reason I bought it was because I knew I was going to buy the DLC anyway. And that's not because I, I had any affinity to the game or whatever. It's because I know I'm going to have to write articles about this. So I'm going to have to regardless. Like, so I may as well get the season pass and it's going to save me money down the line. And like, that's the only time I've ever bought one. Like, aside from that, I don't think I'd buy a, a season pass unless I like really, really trusted the developers. Or like really loved the game. I got a season pass for Batman Arkham Knight, and the first batch oh, of DL. Yeah, the well, I, I think that's oh. a great game, just to be clear. But the first batch of DLC was like a Harley Quinn mission, and it was about 30 minutes long. And yeah. it's at that point, I'm like, I'm done with this game, and I'm not coming back to it. Even though, massively underrated Batman Arkham Knight. You know what they should do? They should make another Batman Arkham game. They should. They, they should make another Batman game. Arkham game. I don't think it's as good as Arkham City. It's not. I do think Arkham Knight is very good. Yeah. It's a f actually just, way underrated I game. I really miss those games. Yeah, I really miss those games. I want to go play them again. You know, it's basically like if they took Batman the Animated Series and made, a, and made it a video game. And it is, it is a pretty damn good one. Oh, you know what? I see Warrior of Light in these pictures for Stranger Paradise. Like, the Dissidia one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you fight him too? Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, because I haven't played it, I don't know the full thing, but I do know a few couple parts of this, uh, of this plot. So, uh, Stranger Paradise is ended with, uh, you know, the Warrior of Light, uh, entering the Chaos Shrine about to, uh, about to fight uh, Jack and uh, lead to, uh, you know, J Jack's plan to finally get rid of all the darkness coming to fruition. Mm -hmm. Except, uh, at the start of this DLC, Jack absolutely smokes the Warriors of Light. Oh, okay. And he realizes, oh, that's uh, that's not what was supposed to happen. Uh, I need someone to make the Warrior of Light the Warriors of Light stronger for next time. <laughs> so. Oh. 
Hey, oh, yeah, that, okay. that's what Bahamut did in Final Fantasy 1, so that's who he goes to. You know, just you know, tells him, look, we need to uh, uh, we need to do this loop again. We need to make the Warriors of Light stronger in the process. Can you, can you like, help me out here? Do you know and... what this game is starting to remind me of, of all games? It's starting to remind me of Metal Gear Solid Five. Hmm. It's starting to remind me of this... Mobius Final Fantasy, a game we'll be getting to very well, soon. <laughs> We'll be getting to that. But I think of Metal Gear Solid 5 because, you know, it's like this game that came out, like, rec in recent times that's adding lore to a 2D game from 30, 40 years ago at this point. Like, and they're just randomly, like, adding a bunch of backstory to it that we didn't necessarily need. But at the same time, like, doesn't make it worse inherently. Wait. Like, wait, 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 techno. You know what it is? It's Wicked. What's up? It's Wicked, the musical Wicked. That's what Stranger Paradise is. Yes, yes, it Yes, is. it's all about, because the Wicked, Wicked, Wicked Witch of the West was the real hero the whole time, and in that musical, it's revealed that Dorothy was just a whiny little brat who was a pawn in her greater scheme. Mm. Yes, it's all that. And Jack will sing Defying Gravity in the next DLC. I promise you. I would love uh, to see. So, so anyway, uh, one more thing about this DLC is that apparently it's balls hard. Oh. Like, uh, I think I talked about the difficulties before, and like once you beat the game, uh, the normal game, you unlock chaos difficulty. Which you said it wrong. Starts at level one. You gotta, you gotta say it right. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yes. Chaos. Which, uh, which starts at like level one thirty, and you can keep bumping experience items into the difficulty to boost it up to uh, 300. So apparently uh, this DLC uh, you have to play it on chaos or harder and it starts at level 200 uh, and most of it has to be done in the new difficulty above chaos called Bahamut difficulty. Uh, and I don't know how hard this gets, but uh, this morning when I was, you know, going through the regular FF Wiki Twitter morning routine stuff, uh, I did see uh, you know, the Stranger Paradise account uh, praising this guy uh, for doing a no damage run of Bahamut at uh, the difficulty level 400. So Ooh. I'm guessing that's uh, that's you know about where the level leveling uh, caps off. But it is apparently really hard, and you know that's why I haven't touched it yet because I was kind of flailing around at uh, 135 when I last touched the game. So, well, the game was too hard for me, so I'm definitely not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it was too difficult for me, and so I didn't, I didn't buy the game. I tried the demo. I sucked at it. Yeah. I knew I was going to suck at it, but yeah, so. You know, I'm glad there are people out there who enjoy the game. I don't... Nothing against it. I just suck at those games. But... Alright. But we... it's also like, this was a, uh, this was a huge patch and had a ton of quality of life things, a few balance adjustments. Uh, for, for most of the story, you can now play as any character instead of just Jack. Okay. Um, this used to be a multiplayer only thing but now it's available in single player too um 
somehow they seem to have made Sage even more busted. <laughs> um, it, uh, it is uh, very extensive changes just going through the patch notes. Okay, um, we should... Do you want to just shotgun the rest of the news real fast and we go on to Morp? Sure. Yeah, okay. Alright, so, uh, first thing is that Forspoken, which was, uh, supposed to come out this fall, I think, uh, I think October? Or maybe early November. Doesn't matter because that date's gone. Uh, the launch date is now set to January 24th, 2023. Or more polishing okay. is what the tweet says and i yeah i mean we can expect this going forward to be honest like yes. at this point like you know they've done it for all their past couple of games like you know so people saying oh final fantasy 16 summer of 2023 i'm like no it's, it's gonna be winter of 2023 like seven rebirth is gonna get pushed back as well no i think no 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 don't say that. I mean, we don't want it to be the case, but, you know, we may as well go in with that expectation. Okay. Well, now that I'm sad, uh, I want to... I, I yeah. just uh, kind of uh, feel bad for the Luminous engine at this point. It, it just wants to put out games with with more particle physics than, than a video can handle, <laughs> and uh, it's just get only has two games that kept getting delayed over and over again. <laughs> yep, it is a cursed machine, that thing. So, uh, alright. Big news. Do you remember Final Fantasy X? Have you heard of this video game? I think I, think I have, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a Kabuki play being made out of it, coming to Japan in spring 2023. Which is pretty cool. You know, if, if you were going to adapt a game to a Kabuki play, it would either be that one or it would be Final Fantasy IX. I have no real knowledge of Kabuki other than the Vegas cliches, so I would not be able to say, but I do actually want to see this. I I doubt I'll be able to, but this sounds incredibly yeah. cool. Uh, Same with me. Next thing is, uh, remember Final Fantasy X? Have you heard of this video game? Anyway, uh, Final yeah, Fantasy I yeah, Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X 2 uh, combined have sold uh, 28.8 million copies over their roughly 20 years of existence. And you have to remember that I think uh, X2 sold about a third of what X sold. Yes. So, uh, like, 20 plus million of those copies are from X. Uh, yeah, um, I believe the news was something like the original release on PlayStation 2 sold like 14 million and they got another 6 from the HD remasters. So, mazel tov yeah, to those I, games. Yeah, the most uh, the most recent uh, yeah, releases are going to be skewed because yeah, they just bundled 10 and 10 2 together now, so. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense why they have to put the numbers out like that. Yep. But um yeah, I think does that make Final Fantasy X the best-selling single-player game in the series? Like, has it surpassed mm. seven at this point? I think you'd have to count remake and seven sales. And uh, I, well, I, I don't mean, know. If they count remake and seven sales, and that's going to throw everything off. And I think that means that would mean seven would be it. But I, yeah, I think uh, plane, I think plane seven is probably still ahead, just because how many more places it's been out on. Yeah, true enough. 
I would have to look up the numbers. I don't know. Part of me wants to say that ten was a bigger game, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent on that. I mean, yeah, I don't know the exact numbers either. I, we all know that ten is one of the heaviest hitters in the franchise. So yeah, what we know is that seven. Like what? And if you if we're counting, if we're counting like if we're not just counting single player, then probably seven, ten, and fourteen are the biggest Final Fantasy games. Okay. Um, I have some bad news. Do you remember oh, okay. the NFT bullshit that Square Enix was doing? They're still yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah, we have I we have to go through this news, unfortunately. <sighs> so, Square Enix is selling a physical cloud strife Figma, because they sell lots of these. They're actually selling a Miss Cloud Figma, which um, a person that you may know, his name is Blue Highwind, is actually pre-ordered, and I'm very excited for that. But uh, this, um, let's, I, I think I'm spending two hundred dollars on a female cloud Figma, so um, I, I have self-control problems. Wait, what's problems. that? Female cloud. No, but what, what's a female cloud? What? Sorry. Figma, the the statue. Figurine, dude. Yeah. Figurines. Oh, they're called okay. figmas, yeah. like gunpla. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant you'd bought an NFT. I was no, like, no, 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 no. This is a male cloud that uh, you spend some large amount of money, about hundred thirty dollars, and then if you add another thirty, you get the digital plus edition, which is an NFT, which is actually just a certificate of authenticity on the blockchain now why you would need a blockchain system for a certificate of authenticity i don't know and yeah. it seems like a much worse way of doing it other than say a piece of paper or an email right. or anything you've like that freaking yeah you've got the freaking figure like why do you need to verify that you've got the figure I don't is know. There? To it's prove like, that it's not a bootleg bought, one, I guess? It's like, imagine if you bought a car, and then they said, oh, by the way, the title for the car is $30. Would no, you have to... The, the title yeah. of the car is actually meaningful. Techno, I have some bad news about car ownership in the United States. You do have to pay extra money for the title, <laughs> and you have to pay money for the registration in the friggin' thing every year. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Yeah, you when do. I my car here, I don't, I do not remember They probably that. threw that charge in, but that that's all that's included in the price of buying a car. No, that's probably what happened then, yeah, because I, I honestly dead-ass thought that, I, that all of that, it was just the car price plus the frickin', um, the frickin' sales tax. I, mm. I, okay, well, well, I've learned something new. <laughs> Well, you know what? Actually, if you have a loan, your loan company probably owns the title right now, and they'll give it to you once you pay. That no, you know, we're I, way off. We're way I, off topic. You didn't buy your car with cash, did you? I did. My first car, I did. Oh, but like the current car you drive now, your new car, you did not buy that out of pocket, did you? The new car that has not arrived yet. No, I am not buying that. Out. Okay, because if, if you did buy that out of pocket, uh, we're gonna have a different relationship, me and you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start asking for some things from you. Um, anyway. No, so, I didn't uh, buy it out of 
yeah, this NFT bullshit they're continuing with very slowly, right at the perfect time, because at this point, NFTs are such toxic terms that uh, Minecraft has come out and publicly been like, no, you cannot make NFTs about your servers or whatever, your worlds or whatever you're trying to sell. You cannot do that. We're not allowing that. And Reddit launched some NFT thing and had to really desperately come up with some terms to say, no, it's not NFT. No, it's not on the blockchain. They're just uh, tokens. You, you like tokens, yeah, don't you? I, I, and like also in the gaming space, I think GameStop has recently managed to make NFTs even more toxic. Than, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, no, we space. cannot. We cannot. Not that Not that news. We will... We will not explain why, aside from the fact that they opened an NFT shop, but suffice to say, they put some really fucking awful shit on that NFT shop. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually true or just a rumor, but I, I don't want... I, I We're going to move on from that one. Uh, anyway. Honestly, of NFTs, I think the only people who actually care at this point are people who are so freaking rich that, like, you know... Are, the, why, like that's that's the point it seems like you know such a tiny percentage of the population can actually afford this shit and yet we're, we're all hearing about it you know when you think about like fine art or something or like you know freaking bugattis or like you know all those other things that stupidly rich people with more money than they know what to do with spend their money on that's just kind of you know we let them have their little space you know they just they spend their money there, and they put their, like, you know, freaking Picasso art in their massive-ass mansions, and then they don't bother the rest of us. But with this NFT stuff, we're all hearing about it, and that's why I'm so confused. It's like they're trying to make it a big thing, but it's like, no, there's only, like, five people on planet Earth that can actually buy that shit. It's just scammers who don't realize that the music has stopped, and no one's listening yeah, anymore. And you know, crypto freaking crashed. Yep. Like, crypto's currency has crashed. And that, there's a much better argument for that than there is for freaking NFTs. So I don't know why people are still spending their money on it, but. But. Hey, know, whatever. It's what it is. Anyway, I have already declared that uh, the wiki's uh, neutral point of view. I don't know if we actually have that written down as policy or if it's more of an ideal. Uh, does not apply to cryptocurrency in the blockchain. So you, uh, so if the topic ever comes up in the main space, you are allowed to shit on it with reckless abandon. You are allowed to as long as it's written in the manual of style, as yeah, long as it's I, MOS compliant and still in yeah, basically, you yeah, can basically trash it all you want. Yeah, basically don't swear while trashing it. You're allowed to do that on the talk page, but not in the article itself. Yep. Just, yeah, trash on it in a somewhat polite manner. Yep. Yeah, um, I, I don't think there's any place for that stuff. And anyway, within probably rapid amount of time, no one will remember that this thing happened. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. So anyway, um, in... Much nicer news. Uh, there is a uh, Chocobo picture book coming out. It's called Chocobo and oh, the Airship, cute. a Final Fantasy picture book. It will be releasing in March 2023. That's cute. That's a, it's a children's book, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is a children's book. I okay. see on the yeah, cover, 
There's a Sid on an airship, and there's a Chocobo. So it's something to buy your Final Fantasy fan friend child on their baby. Yeah, on no, it's something to get them for their baby shower. Yes, and uh, <laughs> the at least one wiki baby I'm aware of, you can go give them that. Though that kid might be too yeah. old at this point because we're ancient. No, he is. Yeah, he is at this point. <laughs> yeah, he is. All right. Um. So, Tactics Ogre. Do you remember that video game? Yes. Okay, rumor is, the rumor has been swirling harder and harder around this to the point that actually, uh, basically everything leaked about it. That's coming out November 11th, it's called Tactics Ogre Reborn, and it looks like it is a straight port of the PlayStation Portable Let Us Cling Together version. Okay. Also, uh, it's going to be voiced now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that actually oh. is a big addition, because the original was not. Or any that version was not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is a huge addition. Yeah. Hey, Tactics Ogre has some real, real fucking hardcore lines, so voice acting does is uh, you know, good shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, you know, if they're spending money on voice actors for it, that's going to cost them... It's going to cost them a decent amount, so they're not half-assing this port, for sure. Yeah, it um, looks basically the same as how I remember the PlayStation Portable version looking. Maybe the uh, pixels are a bit too washed out if I zoom in too much, but that could also just be uh, that could just be my memory being wrong or the quality of the screenshot that Wario64 on Twitter got. Uh, I have tons to say about Tactics Ogre, and I think we may have to do a whole episode about it when it comes out. The uh, the one graphics comparison I've seen is a bit weird because like the character sprites, it looks like it they've put on them an outline that has you know those crappy pixel smoothing filters on, but the actual character sprite itself isn't. Yeah, it's, I you know, don't know. Proper sprite art drawn in better detail than uh, than in the PSP. It's just got this weird smushy black line around it. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening, and I'd, I'd want to see the official, you know, non-leaked bits. Though I imagine what this is is going to be what it is 100%, because November is coming very quickly, and unless Square Enix delays this because they have a ridiculously packed fall, uh, maybe they, uh, I don't know. Uh, last bit of news here is that there is a rumor that Sony is going to buy Square Enix. This is coming from Eidos. Yes, another one. Yes, and yet another rumor. Uh, this is coming from Eidos Montreal's founder, who very recently had a very big, uh, very big uh, bit of uh, interviewing. There's a lot of details about how you know. This is Stefan Diastos, founder of Eidos Montreal. He quit, I think, like 2014. Not that long after Square Next bought it, he had some shit to say about Square Next mismanaging the entire thing. Uh, some talk about $65 like, million they were supposed to have in revenue that they may not have. Uh, what was interesting is that he specifically said that Sony's only interested in the Tokyo division, which I think he meant the Japan division, because this is referring to Square Enix selling Eidos Montreal on Crystal Dynamics recently for like pennies on yeah. the dollar. Uh, because like I don't think things like Osaka Team and Was ever counts as different companies. It's all just yeah. Square Enix. If I were Sony, I would want to buy everything that is Square Enix. I would definitely want that Osaka Team because they're the guys that make Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because like I saw, I heard some people say 
oh, it's Square Enix Japan. But then I heard other people say, like, it's Square Enix Tokyo. So it suggests to me that it's Square Enix Japan. And yeah. Tokyo is where the headquarters are. Tokyo so, is where um, the headquarters are. Yeah. Right. I think, like, uh, from a business perspective, as far as Sony's concerned, it does make sense. Because on the one hand, you think of Square Enix as, like, this huge organization, this massive thing, and how could, like, you know, how could anyone buy such a big third-party publisher? Big man, Microsoft bought Activision. Like, anything's fair game at this point. But if you, if you want to think of, like, you know, a third-party publisher that has as close as ties to Sony, like, as Square Enix do, I don't think, like, Square Enix probably has the closest ties to them of maybe any any big company, right? You know, like, the, obviously, it would hurt Nintendo quite a bit because, like, Nintendo are pretty close with Square. But, you know, it might be a weird thing like Microsoft are doing where they're saying, like, oh, yeah, we own Activision now and we own Bethesda now, but they're still... The games are still going to come to other platforms. Like, Sony might be doing the same thing. Like... So, Microsoft is kind of being blatantly lying about that and they don't want any game that wasn't committed before the uh, before the acquisition to come out on anything other than it other right. than yeah PC and Xbox Sony on the other hand is a bit more lenient about that actually first of all because they have been expanding into PC recently and also uh, Dave uh, the Bungie have been pretty clear that uh, Sony, uh, Sony doesn't give a crap what they publish on. Mm. Yeah, the other thing I'll say there is with Square Enix, you're not just buying the games and the IP, you're also buying their merchandise department. And that's yeah. no small thing, because they do merchandise not just for their own IP, but for other IP. I don't yeah, know how big also that why actually... I don't really trust rumors about this kind of thing because no one ever seems to have an answer for the fact that Square Enix has giant non-gaming wings they have a huge merchandising wing and they have a huge literature wing we have literally talked about that earlier this podcast because they are because you know Chocobo and the flying ship no no one ever seems to think well well hang on Sony doesn't really want those things they don't need those things so what's going to happen to them nothing i don't know that i agree with that because like you know sony have some pretty big ip and they're trying to put that out you know we have a last of us show coming out we had an uncharted film earlier this year that everyone's already forgotten about like oh yeah i forgot about that yeah they definitely want to put their ip out on more medium yeah on more medium but you know for for a lot of that you don't want some of those wings you definitely want visual work but you but there's a lot of that that's not really directly related to the game plan of sony interactive entertainment i don't know about that because to me it seems like quite appealing for them to be able to say oh we own square enix now so now we can use this you know this department to as well as making the all their final fantasy figurines we can make a ratchet and clank figure you know we can make a freaking kratos now i make like you know whatever i i'm gonna say i'm not sure how big actually square nex's merchandising thing is 
They're it's not pretty big. I know, but the, I, from my understanding, they're not maybe one of the biggest toy companies in the entire world. And versus, so they're, not, they're not one of the biggest on on either, but you know, uh, they are significantly substantial. Okay, but right. if I'm buying a, let's say, I'm just gonna guess the value of what Square Enix is just considering what Activision Blizzard went for. Uh, twenty-five billion dollars. That'd be my guess of what Square Enix is worth. That's just from the video um, games. Hold on, I, I just uh, you know, uh, quickly look something up there. Um, I mean, this is just going to be. Oh, uh, you you may be able to have a better better idea of how much. Yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. Uh. Let's see, uh, Square Enix uh, Holdings, so that's the entire thing, Square yes. Enix Holdings. Uh, that is, let's see, uh, last year's revenue, uh, three, uh, last year's net income, uh, 26.94 billion yen. Okay, so that's, uh, uh well, it's 260 total, million? Total, Total assets in uh, 2020, uh, 302.6 uh, billion yen. Yen. Mm. Okay. So yeah. that's in dollars. How much? Yen is $100. So you divide that by 100. What was that? 326 billion? Yeah. 326 billion divided by. So if you just like Google 326 billion in yen. Oh, so that's $3 billion in assets. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Activision went for more than that. Wait, so what did you say their revenue was last year? Because you just you just removed two zeros. Uh, so, yeah, re revenue of uh, revenue 2022. I guess that's financial year ending 2022. Uh, I'm just having trouble reading. Uh, that's a comma, so I guess that's. In other uh, countries, I mean, they switched. Really fit with the other numbers, unless they grew, grew huge, because that's saying uh, three hundred and sixty-five thousand million, so three hundred and sixty-five billion. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that's where you get to long billions and short billions. I I don't think we'll be able to solve this on this podcast right now. I, would you yeah, say yeah, my guess not, uh, of somewhere between twenty to thirty billion dollars is a fair guess for how much Square Enix is worth? Because mm. you got to realize Activision, Blizzard, and King, that was $70 billion. And that was one of the biggest video game companies in the world. I would say mm. definitely bigger than Square Enix. Oh, Call yeah. of Duty I is mean, no ridiculous. Question. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Square Enix being yeah, half that is a, is a safe bet. And I think just video game revenue, I think when you start thinking about how much money Final Fantasy XIV makes in and the value of all these IPs, I think the com I think the manga division and the toy division, I think those are relatively unimportant bits on the calculation. Yeah, they're relatively unimportant, but it's still, you know, it's a way to diversify revenue. And I think that they would find that quite appealing. I don't, I don't think that would be singular to Sony's calculation of buying a major company and the question is whether or not sony can even do it because 
If Microsoft can spend $70 billion, that's because they're Microsoft. They're one of the biggest companies in the world. They are much more than just video games. Uh, right. Sony, at this point, is increasingly more like a video game company that just happens to have a lot of other things. Yeah, I, I mean... I, Sony does have the money if they want to do it. To, yes, I, yeah. I think they do, but the it's... Square Enix isn't the biggest player, we know that. Um, I mean, uh, it's also a lot more feasible than, say, Microsoft doing it because uh, uh, Japanese uh, Japanese uh, antitrust law um, is very... Uh, looks down upon foreign companies acquiring things so they'd mm. be happier for sony to do it that or or somehow nintendo doing it than any other video game company mm. um yeah, uh, also but also like... just in general i would like this era of of everyone getting acquired to fucking stop because it's really it annoying like... and causes monopolistic behavior which is fucking terrible i was about to say that like you know when like when what's the end point of this like you know if they're literally buying all these massive freaking third parties like are we gonna get to a point where there are no third party publishers anymore I mean, no the, we the will end, not the end point is a collapse it's basically a classic boom and bust cycle well i think uh yeah, the end point is sorry the, no the the end point might be coming right now because uh it sure looks like a recession is coming uh, no one's really capable of guessing what the markets are doing, so that's another reason why I would think, like, if I have $25 billion that I don't necessarily need to spend, maybe that's money I want to go and squirrel away under my bed versus throwing it away right now. Other thing is, right. even if Square Enix gets bought, even if all these major companies get bought, the indie scene is still massive. And there will be mm. no end to the point. There will never be a day when four companies own the entire video game space. At least right now as a video game space is conceived of there's simply too much access to the market where any small game can become gigantic you can right. you can just get lucky you could be the among us anytime it could happen it won't happen to many people this is that kind of uh rags to riches story is extremely the exception rather than the rule capitalism is still not good but it can still happen just about any time so yeah, I don't I, I don't that. know what's gonna I, happen. I yeah. if, if Square Enix gets you know, sold, they don't they don't get sold. I I'm not gonna bet on it. We have plenty of wagers that we still need to remember. I think I forgot already. It's been a month. I, I'm not posing a bet on that one. No. No. I'm if it happens though, we'll have a uh, a month of topic to talk about it. It wouldn't surprise me. That's all I'll say. It would like, not surprise. At, me. Like, at this point, I think about it as a just, like, either just fucking do it or get everyone to shut the fuck up about it because I've been hearing shit like this for months because people really, really, really want these gigantic mega companies because they're fucking stupid. Uh, and I would just like them to shut up one way or another. And if this has to be done by having having the giant mega companies happen, then fine, so fucking be it. Um... Yeah, console war dudes just no. All right, this is not this is not what the perspective you need to have on these sorts of things. Just because Microsoft yeah. bought things and you're a Sony fan and you're mad that Sony's not buying things, just no. 
sorry, just screw off. No one, no one needs that perspective anymore. Also, like you know, if you if you have a if you have some freaking affinity to one of these like massive video game companies, like what are you doing? It's just you know, one day you'll grow up like I did at one point. I used to be a Sony fanboy for a little bit, and then I realized you know there are more important things in life, and uh, you know no uh, one company deserves I, I, I hate to uh, I hate to break it to you, but um the console wars you know they date they, they back to the 90s and stuff and we're targeting teenagers there uh, a bunch of these people are older than we are yeah hmm. true enough yeah um anyway i i lost the console wars a long time ago i was an apple pippin fan and uh it all ended oh, badly no. for me no i'm kidding i fucking i had no idea what the fuck the apple pippin was <laughs> I was born in 91 when the Apple Pippin came out, like, 30 people bought it. And no one... I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what the Sega Saturn was until, I think, like, the Angry Video Game Nerd. I'm like, what? There was a Sega Saturn? I had no idea. Anyway. Are we done yeah, with the I news? I Sega made consoles until, like... Anyway. Yeah. Let's move on. We're done with the news? We can finally talk about Morbius? Yeah, I it's think that's it. Time. It's, uh, it's uh, Morbin time. It's Morbin time. All right. So it's time for me to tell you about a little thing called Morbius. Now this was a movie starring Jared Leto, and I did see it. I saw it in theaters, and um, it you was really. You fucking saw that? Yeah, I really saw it. Uh, it was really boring. Actually, fucking saw it. Wow. Okay. I, I've it's seen amazing. worse I've and more embarrassing movies. I yeah. have never met anyone who has seen that piece of shit film. Well, I guess I'm the first. Um, I, I go to the movies a lot, so I've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, it was right. it was boring in just about the least interesting way. It was a callback to, I'd say, like superhero movies from 20 years ago when they would come out and they would just be like real bad and just not fantastic. Yeah, like, yeah, like Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Yes, like yes, that. exactly. Like no, yes, no, 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 no. Even better, Ghost Rider with Nick Cage. Yeah, like that. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Just, yeah, fundamentally flawed movies that no one loved and have nothing to recommend about it, except for one thing, Matt Smith does dance. That's it. <laughs> I've, I think we've all seen that bit. That bit yeah, that's the fun. only part of the movie that's at all fun. And that's it. It's also a mess. It like, was... Yeah? Yeah, and it's a like, dance to, like, you know, a song, I think it's, like, in Afrikaans. Like, I don't remember what language it's in, but it's, like, you know, by an African band. It could have been anything. Yeah, and it's actually... Yeah, and it's is actually... That the one that, is that the song. one that everyone thinks is saying, have sex? Yes, that one. They think uh. it's saying, like, have sex, access. Yeah, and it's, some, it's something in Afrikaans or some other language, but... Yeah, everyone think he he's saying like have sex, have sex, put my pants up and put my pants up. They think no, he's saying I, that. But I, like, you you know more about the song than I do. I can just tell you that this movie was also edited like horrendously. So mm. yeah, Matt Matt so Smith at about it was good. nothing about it was good. Matt Smith at one point early in the movie has to go and explain that he won guards in a card game because seemingly whatever scene where he has guards. They just cut that out, so they had to go add that line in. <laughs> okay, interesting. He's also called Milo the entire movie, even though his name is not Milo. Milo is what he's called as a joke. 
But everyone just calls him Milo. I, I'm way off. I, I We need to talk about Mobius Final Fantasy. Now, I had originally planned to do this because I thought this would be a slow month where we wouldn't have much to talk about, and now we're an hour <laughs> plus in. So this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be one hell of an episode. I hope I hope your uh, your seats are buckled. So Mobius Final Fantasy came to my mind because a certain game called Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins came out. And I realized that that game is in many ways doing many of the same things that Mobius Final Fantasy did. Uh, Mobius Final Fantasy also was originally known as Mevius Final Fantasy. Until somebody told the Japanese creators, Mevius isn't actually a word. In English, it's Mobius. Please change it to Mobius because it sounds ridiculous. And then they oh, did. Oh shit, I remember that. I yeah. remember we had a page called Mevius Final Fantasy and I was yeah. like, what the fuck? And then we renamed it to Mobius Final Fantasy, and I was like, what the fuck? But, yeah, because oh, in Japanese, yeah. Mobius is Mibiisu, apparently. So it says the Hepburn uh, on Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this is a game that came out in Japan in 2015, came out in the United States and the rest of the world in 2016. It had 20 million downloads. And then on uh, March 31st and June 30th, the game was shut down of 2020. Sorry, I forgot to say the year. Shut down forever. So how long, so how long did it last? It lasted four, five, five years. years. Four, five yeah, years. it lasted that's, five that's years. Respectable. That's, yes. That's respectable for a live action game, a live service game. I suppose, but the thing is that all mobile games will die. We've seen this with Final Fantasy Record Keeper, which is shutting down this fall. I'm sorry for every one of you who love that game. It's gone forever. But what's interesting about this is that Mobius Final Fantasy was not just a mobile game. It was like a main release. So normally when Square Enix makes these mobile games, it's the D-Leagues. Or it's a different company entirely. It's like yeah, the it's lowest not, I was rung. Say, it's often a different company. Like, you yeah. know, if you look at like... You know, you mentioned Record Keeper. That was off to like a company called DNA or yeah. something. Uh, and then yeah. uh, the one that's still ongoing, which is still quite popular, which is Opera Omnia. That's made by the same company that they outsourced Dissidia NT to. Yeah, and uh, there's the Final Fantasy 15 well, stuff, which is made by part of that company because what yeah. NT was uh, Team Ninja, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah so right. so it's either that or subsidiary or just some mobile company that they've made a deal with that just post, like, copy-pasted some Final Fantasy XV stuff onto a different game. That's the stuff that usually happens. Mobius Final Fantasy, however, was made by Square Enix Business, eh, Square Enix Business Division 1, directed by... The same the, a lot of the same people who moved on to separate remake. Yes. Directed by Matomo Toriyama, who, of course, made Everyone's Final... Everyone's favorite director. Everyone's favorite director. Directed Final Fantasy X and the Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy. Uh, produced he by Yoshi... He didn't direct X, did he? Yes, no, he did. He directed X too, right? No. Didn't he direct X? No ten? way. He... He, he did X. He did X. He ten. did X? Yes. No fucking way. I thought X was Kitase. I'll check it now. All right, it is directed by Katase, but Matomo Toriyama was the event director, scenario writer, music director, motion capture, and voice director. All right, he directed okay. Tentu. All right, you are correct. I'm sorry. I, I got that wrong. I'm willing to accept okay. when I'm wrong sometimes, but he was... I knew that... 
Yeah, he's been involved in the series since Final Fantasy VII yes. when he directed. You can guess what he directed. He directed the freaking Money Honey Bee Inn. Well, he directed yeah, his the event plan of Midgar, and they had to tell him to stop because they didn't want to m make the entire game take place in Midgar. He's and actually then Final Fantasy VII remake happened. Yeah, he is yeah. so involved in Seven that he is listed as a co-director on Final Fantasy VII remake. Anyway, Katase. No, he's not a co-director. He's an event director. He was listed as a co-director on our wiki. Co-director. Co-director. Co-director, yes. Alright, okay, so the producer is Yoshinori Katase. You may have remembered him because he's the director of Final Fantasy X. Um, yeah. Our main Five artist... Yep. Yeah, main artist is Toshiyuki Itahana, who uh, is the crystal... Like, the Final Fantasy crystal... What is that thing called? Crystal Chronicles. He's the main crystal art guy for that entire sub-series, which sadly no longer exists. The writers are Kazuhige Nojima, who is another big player in the Final Fantasy VII space and many he's other things. Like the, he's almost the writer. He yeah. wrote seven, he wrote ten. He, I, I don't know if he wrote six or not. But seven and ten are like, you know, two of the best stories that this series has ever done. Yeah. And Nojima did both of them. Uh, and he also did Kingdom Hearts, if I remember correctly. We'll go get to Kingdom Hearts, because the other writer is Daisuke Watanabe, who is a big guy in creating Kingdom Hearts. It's not just all Nomura with Kingdom Hearts. There are other people involved. Uh, Watanabe is one person that's often underappreciated his con contributions. I cannot talk because I've been talking for an hour straight. So this is not a small game. These are the A-team of the A-team of Square Enix making a video game. And this game is gone. It is effectively scrubbed from the internet. I might be making this up right now. Can you prove that I'm wrong? Because you can't download it. Completely disappeared. And I just find that yeah, fascinating. So it is kind of like Morbius. Yeah. It is kind of like Morbius. No one's seen it. So, you know, you can make up a freaking story about how fucking Shrek turns out to be the main villain. And Venom showed up and teamed up with Morbius to defeat him. And no one can disprove you because no one's seen it. So uh, same deal with Morbius. No one's played it. So you can say whatever the fuck you want. I, I don't know. I mean, I have seen the movie, but I'm not going to disappoint you by telling you whether or not that was wrong or not. It, it was actually it was actually not Venom. It was uh, the... It, it, it was Matt Smith. No, it was not Matt Smith. It was uh, the Vulture. It wasn't even Matt Smith? No, no. What Matt Matt not? Smith is the main villain, but the Vulture from Spider-Man No Way Homecoming, he shows up. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... Batman! Like, Batman shows up. Michael Keaton shows up. Despite that making no sense. I don't want to talk about that movie. The movie's bad. Okay. Speaking of bad, uh, the gameplay for this thing because I actually have played this. I played it at oh, okay. uh, I played it at Comic Con twenty fifteen or sixteen. And, you know, it must have been fifteen because the game wasn't out yet, as, as I recall. I was like one of the first people to play it. So this thing is uh, basically a yeah. linear adventure, as I recall. You just walk from scene to scene and you fight a whole bunch of monsters. If you've played any of these mobile games, it is basically you hit like three buttons and all the stuff happens practically automatically. If you enjoyed this gameplay, I 
I guess, have fun with it. It was not for me. There was a lot of things going on, like elements and meters and cards that you can mix together. There's crystals on top, and you got to match the colors, and you can do more damage, and all sorts of things. It... Alright, so what I did this month is I watched all the cutscenes for Mobius Final Fantasy. And when I say watched all the cutscenes, I mean I watched all the cutscenes. They are on YouTube. Season 1 is 4 hours long. Season 2 is 10 hours long. So I watched 14 hours of Mobius Final Fantasy. Uh, this is all with all the gameplay scrubbed out. So I could only imagine what five years of a mobile game at that pacing, how long this game possibly would be to play through. I, I think it would be something like 100 hours. And of these 14 hours that are here, I would say maybe you could condense this down to a solid five-hour story, probably. I mean, you can find the cutscene collections of, like, Final Fantasy thirteen on YouTube, and that's only about eight hours. Final Fantasy X, like, six. So it is... <clears throat> this is insanely padded. It is... So, so with the mobile game? It is a mobile game. God, it is how, crushing this land. How long did that final arc of, uh, of Union Cross go for? It was oh like my god. Several years where nothing happened. Yeah, Union Cross was like you waited a month for ten minutes of scene. And nothing would happen in most of the cutscenes. minutes of scene that were irrelevant to the plot because they're just, you know, helping. You know, I don't remember what the plot of Wreck It Ralph is. They help, they help him do something and help that girl drive a car and you know whatever. What? I actually, uh, I'm going to make a note here at 120. I got to take a short break. I need to get some order because I got to get my voice back to order because I got a lot more things to say. So uh, just chill for about a minute, all right? The 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 final story arc was happening simultaneously with the Wreck It Ralph world because that was like the final world introduced and there were no diversions to any other world during that time and because it's modern Kingdom Hearts and Disney specifically Walt Disney Studios doesn't really like Kingdom Hearts messing with the plot. Most of said plot was just a retelling of part of the story of Wreck-It Ralph. Right. Okay. Meanwhile, <sighs> there's a, there was, meanwhile there was actual plot happening you know, in Daybreak Town, but it was happening at a pace even more glacial than you know the story events in the Wreck-It Ralph world. Right. Okay. Okay. I think uh, my voice is lubricated now. I think I could hear myself turning a bit hoarse as I was going. So, uh, where were we? Uh, Union Cross yeah, crap? Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, we're basically talking about just how badly padded mobile games are. And yeah, so... Like, you could compress Mobius down to, like, five hours if yeah, you so wanted for, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, for example, like, with Opera Omnia, like, um, no, I do actually play that one. But, like, so basically every single character... Like, when they have an in event that introduces the character, the point is that they have to join in the second, like, mission with that. Right, so the first two cutscenes are always the same. The first cutscene is, we introduce the character, and then they say, 
oh wow it's this person from that world like you know so they might say like oh it's from cloud's world or it's from edgar's world or something like that and then they'll give some bullshit reason why they can't join you and then all of a sudden there'll be a threat that shows up and you know you'll kill it in like one hit and then they'll come back and say you've convinced me i'm gonna join you and if you got rid of those cutscenes, it would be like you know a much shorter story than it actually like deserves to be but with that said that game actually does have some pretty good writing in it all things considered the writing in this is i i would say decently translated i would say the voice acting's mostly pretty good the music's actually great um, I forgot to credit the music person. It's somebody that worked on Final Fantasy Thirteen too. the fact too. that they have... Yes? The fact that they have voice acting in this shows how serious they were about this one. Yes, yes. This is a high... It does not have voice acting. This is a high-quality budget. Um, one of the voice I, actors I, I actually recognized... I thought recognized. the opera Omnia had some voice acting. It's just not dubbed. Yeah, that's, that's right. It has Japanese voice acting. This is full English and Japanese, Japanese voice acting. So, um, for the most part, it actually is a pretty good-looking game. I would say the limitations of the mobile space does become apparent when there's, like, seven backgrounds and there's 14 hours of story and you only have about seven locations to set it in. Also, they are extremely limited in the number of people they can ever have on screen, so there's, like, four, and this is supposed to be the entire world. So, luckily, most of this game takes place in kind of a... short time, uh... The, the short time I played that game, I remembered it uh, making my phone run pretty hot. So yeah, it yeah, did. they were definitely pushing things. They were pushing things. This is many iPhone iterations away. So this was cutting edge at the time. But uh, one of yeah, so it looks good. It looks okay. They are telling as good of a story as the space allows them to. The only thing is the story. I I think I just got to tell you guys the story. You want to sit around and listen to the story? Uh, I mean, I think it is time for my penance for the uh, Endwalker <laughs> episode may, of the podcast. So. It may be, so... Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-do. <laughs> That's uh, some interstitial music for you there. Uh, this is Blue Highland recording a few days after the original podcast recording because uh, I was largely unhappy with how that first recording went. Uh, the next 40 minutes of the original recording was me recounting the story of Mobius Final Fantasy, and um, I, I don't think I did a horrendous job of it, but apparently I did enough of a boring job that Technobliterator at one point slammed his head against his keyboard and fell asleep. And he would not wake up again until uh, roughly to the point that I'm going to cut back into the main recording. And, uh, you know, if I put my co-host to sleep, I can only imagine that, you know, anyone who's listening isn't going to fare any better and you're just going to fast forward right through everything. Um, I'm also unhappy with that original recording because I used some uh, language that I think was probably ill-advised at the time. Uh, ableist language is just kind of something that's in everyone's vocabulary. It's kind of hard to scrub out of. It just kind of still gets used casually in a way that I think we all sort of need to work with. And uh, I don't really want to put my name next to me just using those words to describe what are actual issues. So, 
you know, I, I think we should just do it again. This is take two. I, I couldn't rehassle up my uh, co-host at such close time. It's the end of the month. We got to get this done. So um, we're just going to do it. I'm just going to go and recount Mobius Final Fantasy a second time. Hopefully a better time this time. So the world of Mobius Final Fan. Oh, I should also say, just to rewind a little bit, there is some very good some core mage bits that unfortunately I am cutting. I'm cutting fat, but as they say in the movie biz, sometimes you also have to cut muscle. He uh, he laughed quite a bit in the original recording. So there there was good stuff. Um, if you want it, uh, I maybe I'll hold on to that audio and. People desperately need to hear it. I, I don't think it's that great. But, uh, yeah. But, again, Technobliterator just completely fell asleep. And that's just... That's just not good. <laughs> just not good for anybody. So, anyway. Mobius Final Fantasy is a game that takes place in the world of Palamecia. Palamecia is a place that is trapped in an endless cycle of destruction... Much like a certain land called Spira from Final Fantasy X, there is a creature called not Sin, but Chaos, which is this giant floating sword with a face that goes around and goes... That's all. That's the only noise that Chaos ever makes. It goes... And then it shoots fire at people and kills them. So the way this world is set up is that people wake up on a beach and suddenly are tasked with killing chaos with virtually nothing but their wits and various swords that they find. Also, nobody wears like regular shirts. They all wear these kinds of muscle shirts and uh, their back is completely naked. They kind of all look like gym rats, except unfortunately, most of these people are what are known as blanks. Blanks are an utterly hopeless race of effectively lemming people. And I call them race, but it's just like everybody that comes to Palamecia becomes, for some reason, a blank and acts in a very similar way. You can tell immediately if someone is a blank because clearly their character model is less sophisticated and more poorly made than the main characters. So uh, our main character is Wall. I call him Wall because that's what our wiki calls him. He is the one that is going to become the Warrior of Light. He is the one that actually can do anything at all. He is not completely hopeless. He's not immediately led to his death like all the other blanks are. Uh, while Wall is waking up with no memory and very little common sense other than the ability to kill monsters, there's a voice in the sky. That voice is Vox. Vox is this overdramatic utterly pompous godlike figure that gives a lot of uh, not particularly good advice. Basically, Vox is immediately untrustworthy, and uh, Wall's suspicion that Vox is not trustworthy is made even more clear when the very next person he meets, this guy in armor called Garland, tells him, yeah, Vox is just full of shit, dude. Don't, don't listen to anything Vox says. Vox, complete liar. Now, I should introduce these characters a little bit. Uh, Wall is a classic uh, kind of closed-off, cold character. Except the way his voice actor portrays him, he comes off as extremely sarcastic. So he's just like, 
Oh, all right, guys, you want me to go and fight the monsters? I'll go and fight the monsters, but I don't know, man. This all seems like kind of bullshit. You know, I don't know. I'm just kind of a bit over all of this. Uh, Vox, of course, is a bit more dramatic and more theatrical. So he's like, yes, warrior of light, you are going to achieve your goals. I'm not quite doing it well. Uh, my impressions will not be perfect. But I think a impression of, you know, um, Zemnis from Kingdom Hearts 2 wouldn't be entirely off. Let's see, Zemnis? Zemnis, right? Yeah, it is Zemnis. Oh, curses! That'd be a good voice. If they had Zemnis playing Vox, it, it would have been better. And uh, Garland is just kind of an older, more, you know, authoritarian character. It's like... Yeah, Vox is just kind of full of shit, bro. Uh, actually, Garland isn't all that trustworthy. In fact, nobody's trustworthy in the first season of the game. I, I can actually speed right through the first season of Mobius Final Fantasy just by saying that Wall, in every single chapter, meets a new character, and immediately you think that this new character is some kind of scheme or some kind of... Uh, separate agenda that they're not telling you about. And then later, as the story goes on, it turns out, really, they're as clueless as anyone else. So, like, nobody seems to really know what's going on. Garland doesn't know what's going on. Uh, you meet a Moogle named Mog. Uh, in this universe, all Moogles are part of a hive mind, as it turns out. So all Moogles share one personality. The Moogle doesn't know what's going on. Uh, you meet a fairy named Echo, and all fairies are named Echoes. They uh they seem like they should be a hive mind, but they are not. Uh, Wall is like, I, I don't trust you at all, fairy. And the fairy's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't trust me because bravely default and fairies are evil. You know, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, she doesn't know what's going on either. Uh, later, you'll meet Princess Sarah, who is the worst voice actress in this game. Um, I, I, let, me, let me put it this way. She's the... Actress who puts in by far the worst performance, I would imagine because of how she was directed. I'm not sure what they were going for. She sounds like an English voice actress trying to do like a 90s anime, but like early 90s anime, like OVA level. She's like, oh, warrior of light, I love you and I'm very wooden for some reason, but I'm also a girl who wooden performance and stuff. Like I... I I feel bad for this actress because I haven't really seen her do many other things. And I'm, I'm, I feel bad for her. I, not many people put in particularly great performances, but this is not a Dissidia level of disaster where every single voice is just, just the way it was directed was just complete catastrophe. This is generally okay. So uh, then uh, Warrior of Light also meets a witch named Maya, who is your classic, kind of older, more sexually mature female character, basically a Lulu type. Um, the, every single JRPG has the woman that actually has had sex, so obviously it's outside of the man's, you know, like the main character's sort of view. The sexual politics of JRPGs is long and complicated. I probably shouldn't even get into this. This is supposed to be the fixed recording, but I'm already screwing it up. Uh, Maya seems like she should be a very important character because she is a heretic. Also, Garland is a heretic. Also, in Maya's backstory, she was in love with a man who looks exactly like Garland, except no character ever comments upon this, and the game seems to believe that this is not a thing, 
even though these two models are clearly the same thing. Uh, Garland, by the way, even though he is masked and in armor previously, he takes his helmet off and he is just an older dude with a uh, kind of a thin beard. Very handsome. Very handsome dude. You know. Uh, but I don't know why. Honestly, I don't really know why Garland's in this game because he does not become chaos. He is just sort of a character to be a character. Like It seems like it's breaking the classic rules of Final Fantasy to have a Garland that never becomes a chaos because that's just the way this is. That's the reference they're making to Final Fantasy 1. But it just doesn't happen. Um, honestly, I don't know why Mei is in any of these games either, even though she is a playable character. But uh, I don't know. So the way Palamecia works is that every generation, roughly, the, the time and space and all those things, they're all very vague and poorly defined. Chaos comes, kills a whole bunch of blanks. A whole bunch of blanks goes to Princess Sarah and pledge and basically say, Witness me! And then very stupidly go and get themselves defeated by chaos. It is incredibly foolish, the choices they make. Because blanks are effectively... Whatever you tell a blank in either season of this game, the blank will immediately think, Oh, so I'm supposed to die. Like, that seems to be their one solution to anything. You could tell them, uh, please fight for hope, and they'll just basically go and do something utterly just reckless and get themselves killed. You can tell them, fight for despair. They'll do the same thing. Tell them, go home, and they'll do that. Tell them, go get the groceries, and they'll find a way to go and make a completely pointless sacrifice to go and get the groceries. Speaking of pointless sacrifices, uh, series regular Mog... Looks exactly like the Final Fantasy XIII 2 Mog. Uh, Mog pointlessly sacrifices himself and is killed by a monster. And Warrior of Light is pretty horrified by that. Because this game is utterly rec- like ruthless when it comes to the Moogles. The Moogles just get slaughtered. There is a scene where they go to Mogheim, the Moogle like, city. I don't know. It's not really like a city model. It's just where a bunch of Moogles are hanging around the field. And uh, they all get set on fire. And that, that's pretty damn metal. That That's a choice, man. That That is a choice. So, the one bit of actual detail that we learn is that many centuries, because again, time is unclear, thousands of years ago, there once was a man who has the same name that you did. Uh, his name was Wall, or it could be whatever player character you put in. He was a local hero for a small village. He had a brother named Mid, he had a girlfriend named Sarah, and they had a local lord named Chaos. The lord had a kind of manipulative vizier named Voice, who has the same voice as Vox. Uh, Chaos, even though he shows up as a human in armor, never actually says anything during this, so a lot of the recounting is a bit weird. So, um, Chaos set up this whole elaborate scheme to kind of uh, blackmail Sarah into marrying him uh, so that he wouldn't murder the Warrior of Light. And uh, along the way, the Warrior of Light's little brother got murdered. Just straight up executed behind the scenes. Uh, So Sarah does agree to marry Chaos. And uh, the local villagers immediately see through this ruse and realize what's gone on, why Chaos... Why Sarah would agree to marry this guy. 
And uh, they talk so much shit behind the backs of everyone. The Chaos gets so humiliated. He gets so embarrassed, even though his scheme worked out for him, that he goes, turns to the dark side. This mechanism of how this happened, how Palamecia went from seemingly a regular medieval fantasy world to some kind of horrifying Dissidia-esque void of endless fate and terribleness, it's not ever explained. But uh, one day he was a guy, one day he's a giant kaiju sword. Uh, by the way, the original Warrior of Light is now calling himself Sid because every Final Fantasy, of course, needs a Sid. And, um, yeah, he's got one eye now. He's also voiced by the guy who played uh, Kempachi Zaraki in many of the early seasons of Bleach. And I'm a big fan of that voice actor, so, you know. Kempachi Zaraki, best Bleach character. Uh, getting off topic here. So, <clears throat> the Warrior of Light, our Warrior of Light, the one you play as starts to realize that this repetitive cycle of violence and just pointlessness is kind of not worth supporting. He starts coming up with what are effectively a revolutionary idea that, you know, maybe the system, like fighting against chaos and the system, it seems like the system just kind of takes that in. It sort of co-ops the attempts to fight the evil so instead, um, well, frankly, I'm not 100% sure on how it works out, but he fights Chaos so well that he kills Chaos for good. And Vox kind of freaks out because this is mostly the defeat of his plan. And uh, when Chaos is truly defeated, we then discover what Palamecia was. Palamecia is an engine. It is an engine for generating hope. Hope is a physical force in this universe. It has mass. It is an actual force of energy. It's a fundamental power of the universe that you can grasp and do things with. I mean, it, it shows up as light. And despair is another force that is opposed to hope. But despair can be manipulated. In fact, Vox is using despair to generate even more hope. Because it gets, you know, it's darkest just before dawn. And if you make people really unhappy, but then give them hope, the hope will be even stronger. And once the hope reaches maximum levels, the door of hope will open up. Or the gate of hope is what they specifically call it. It's a uh, floating metal sphere with a bunch of spikes coming out of it that opens up and the hope that's generated in Palamecia gets shot out to what is described as another world. I don't know what that other world is, but my personal theory is that it's actually the other Final Fantasy game. So every time that your favorite Final Fantasy hero was, you know, feeling despair, maybe Squall didn't feel like going out of his room, maybe Zidane felt like he was failing all his friends, but then suddenly had a burst of hope. It was not the power of friendship. It was not an implicit shift in their personality and their character trait. No, 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 no. It was the misery and deaths of thousands of blanks in Palamecia that's been shot across the universe, across the multiverse, and hits them. So, uh, good for all the Palamecians. I'm sorry that happened to all of you, but, you know, your, your sacrifice is recognized. And uh, that, oh, uh, by the way, the hope wave does happen. 
and uh, Garland decides to go and grab Sarah and uh, take her to another world, but then everyone thinks that's a bad idea. So only Garland gets shot out of the Hope Wave, and he is then swept away out of this story forever. And his character ultimately achieves nothing. Maybe there were greater plans in Season 3 that did not happen. Uh, and then all the heroes go into a crystal, as one does. Having achieved their revolution, they now get to, you know, sort of live the post-Vox world. And one hopes, you know, now that you've won your revolution, can you be the leader of a new world? Can you go and build a better world? As it turns out, no. Uh, because what they did is they actually created effectively a world of ruin from Final Fantasy VI. When they wake up, there's a big purple beach with destruction. And much like the anime Big O, every single person in the entire world has lost their memories. Everybody except for Warrior of Light and Maya. Uh, season two, I should mention, is uh, about two and a half times the length of season one. Season one's four hours long. Season two is two and a half hours long. It's, I mean, sorry, it's ten hours long, not two and a half. And uh, it is the padding on this on this game. I was gonna call it an anime. Is just unbelievable. For example, season two, like I, I could imagine if you're playing season two of this game and you just saw the ending of season one you're really invested in the story you're like oh my god what happens next uh then like 90 minutes of what i see are cutscenes happen which must have been like six months in real life of playing the game and just walking and beating up monsters over and over again it, it could only have been interminable i i could not even imagine just I, I couldn't imagine just how slow this was even having played like you know not played but having watched like kingdom hearts union cross i mean it's just it is just awful the one thing that does happen is that sid tells the warrior of light that he's going to become something new something called the warrior of despair now um what is the warrior of despair i don't know no one really knows that's the other thing it's like the thing with Mobius Final Fantasy is it comes up with what seem like very intriguing ideas. And you really do want to see what comes next. I think Season 2 has a actually very interesting storyline. And has a lot of promise of what's going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, where I want the story to go, I guess, is not where it goes. It just kind of becomes the standard good versus evil, you know, if we all stand together, we can defeat it. But, you know, at the very beginning, it actually is kind of a complex scenario because uh, Warrior of Light is living in a village called Omega. Uh, Maya and him are the only two people seemingly in the entire world that even knows what they did. And he has to go and see the consequences of what happened, which is that no one has memories anymore, including even Sarah. Now, this is the fucking hack twist that i'm sure you see coming which is that sarah has lost her memories and she actually thinks that uh warrior of light is her brother so we've ended up with a uh very poorly conceived i would say how about how about i use the word unfortunate scenario of amnesiatic incest so warrior of light he's quietly fighting monsters for this village and living a 
bland JRPG kind of uh, pastoral fantasy. You know, it's very much the opening hours of Nier, except uh, possibly with less metafictional commentary on the very, you know, concept of JRPGs. This is not a Yoko Taro joint. I, I kind of have less faith in Motomo Toriyama to really be saying something interesting here. Though interesting things are going to happen, which is that um, the world is suffused with these crystals that seem to be appearing, and on them is a rune. Now, these runes show various visions, and no one's really sure what the visions are, but they seem to be instilling a kind of revolutionary consciousness in the masses that watch them. It's almost like a sort of fiction that achieves, you know, instilling, I guess the term again is revolutionary consciousness. Like, it really is interesting how much I could apply a sort of political, even Marxist view towards what this is. It's sort of like awakening people from their sort of class interest that people even start to realize that they even are in a class at all. Because one uh, character that we see very early on, this is the first time, by the way, that the game is not just following Warrior of Light. It starts cutting between three perspectives. One is Warrior of Light's perspective, one is a girl named Sophie's perspective, and one is a hero named Graf's perspective. Now, Sophie originally is introduced with uh, three question marks over her head. Like, she has no name, it's just the three question marks. And wondering, okay, why aren't they telling me this girl's name? And this goes on for hours of the cutscene I watch. So, unfortunately, the game is showing its hand, which is that, oh, we're going to go and tell you what their name is, but you know. You know what... You guess that when they start calling her Sophie, maybe they're not being on the level about it. Graf, by the way... Oh, I should also say, Sophie is the classic sort of Pinello, sort of Ico... Uh, kind of Riku from Final Fantasy X, the really bubbly girl kind of archetype. Uh, she also fights with a big mace, which is kind of cool. And uh, Graf is the Balthier type. He's the very dramatic and theatrical. My sword will slay the enemies. Uh, Graf is my favorite character in these games, just because he's, uh, he's a more dynamic and more, you know, just... More charismatic lead. I mean, I, I guess there is kind of a charisma to the, you know, I guess I'll just say it, emo boy, but never really, never really landed for me. I prefer the guy that's going, that knows that he's the lead of a show and is going to put on a show for us. So onto these runes. The runes start showing Sophie in particular, a vision of a city named Anosia. Now, I, I, am something of a person who's knowledgeable of Final Fantasy. I have no idea what Anosia is a reference to. It does not seem to be a town in anything that I know of. Feel free to correct me. But uh, Anosia is a city that does not exist. At least, not that anyone can tell. Uh, if it's from another universe or whatever was going on with it, whatever their greater plans, it's never explained in this season. But what is happening in Anosia is something very interesting, which is that there is a political conflict in the city. There are two groups. One is called the Collective, who seem to be running things. They're a very violent, hegemonic group of people that look like black mages with masks. Uh, they are effectively, like, what they're demanding is 
it says it right there. It's collectivization, but sort of a state dictatorship where everyone must play their roles and must play it to the point of death. Like you will work yourself to death for the collective. They're kind of, I mean, really, they're just Stalinists or Maoists. And uh, the other group are the free citizens who, of course, are calling for slightly less state control than a Stalinist or Maoist would claim for. Uh, by the way, I should also say, this is something I do say in the original recording, um, I am not a fan of Bolsheviks. I'm not a fan of Joseph Stalin, not a fan of Mao Zedong. Um, I know people on Twitter like to quote Mao about landlords. That's fine. Landlords are bad. Uh, but Mao is a horrible person that did terrible things to China. So if your plan is that the ends justify the means and you're going to force a revolution through no matter how many millions need to die, uh, it's not going to work. That that simply is a failure. All you end up creating is a system of brutality as bad as the fascism or capitalism, you know, much worse than the capitalism you're trying to fight. Um, I don't subscribe to horseshoe theory, but you you can be fucking bad. It also makes it also makes socialism just look bad. Like you set back the ultimate goal of the project by doing this. <sighs> I think I'm off topic. I may have wandered a bit off base. <laughs> anyway, the free citizens don't really have a very clear political basis, and at least not as much as the collective has. Mostly that they just oppose the collective. So, I mean, I mean, they're libertarian as much as you could say, like, I don't know. Like, anyone is libertarian compared to Mao Zedong, you know? Kind of, you know, like, it, they're mostly defined by their opposition. They're, I, I guess, like the modern Democratic Party dealing with the Republicans. So, Anosia and this kind of class struggle sort of uh, breaks in and the class consciousness sort of comes into uh, Sophie's mind. Because Sophie was working for an unnamed village just doing a horrible job of picking up items and bringing them home, doing some boring tasks. And she decides, you know what, this is not worth it. I'm going to not do that. As a matter of fact, the matron is reminding me of the collective. And my chores, uh, she's actually a slave owner. So, screw you, I'm leaving. I'm going to go be part of Anosia. She also discovers that Graf is her brother. And Graf discovers that Sophie is his sister. And uh, before you start thinking that maybe this seems sketchy that you're following a crystal and allowing what appears to be fiction to define your reality. Uh, the characters mention this about nonstop. Like the game is not at all being subtle with what it is doing here. That maybe Sophie's starting to believe that she is this person named Sophie. Maybe that's not actually true. Like she says that constantly. So I, I'm not giving away a twist here. No spoilers because what happens is telegraphed with a friggin' sledgehammer or Sophie's giant mace slamming you over the head over and over again. <sighs> what I do like is uh, that this whole story kind of reminds me of a short story. Uh, this is a story by the uh, writer George Louis Borges. It's called Talon Akbar Orbit to Terrace. 
Uh, Borges is a great Argentine writer, uh, very interested in the concept of infinity, which is interesting because this is Mobius' Final Fantasy. Hmm. I wonder if someone possibly had wrote that. Uh, Talon Ukbar Orbis Ceteris is a story where um, the real world becomes so obsessed with a fictional country called Ukbar and the Legend of Talon that people stop believing in the real world anymore to the point that the real world effectively ceases to exist and fiction erases our history and becomes the fact so it's a cool story and it's kind of cool what's happening here because you know eventually villagers that you meet in the game become part of the collective or become what i guess are the free citizens whatever they are um I kind of wish the game had focused more on this idea and we had seen, you know, more of the conflict between a fictional reality and an actual reality. The only problem is the reality of Moby's Final Fantasy is very poorly defined. Season 1 didn't even have towns or much of any NPCs at all other than the Moogles who got set on fire. Um, Meanwhile... Uh, with Warrior of Light and Sarah, Sarah starts seeing visions of a tower, a tower of hope. And uh, Warrior of Light's attempts to kind of control her because he kind of starts coming off as a real manipulative dick. He just really just somebody that's like, you start to wonder like, what's going on with this guy? You're controlling this woman that frankly you barely know. Uh, Warrior of Light and Sarah had like the just bluntest and most meaningless love story in season one like because everything in season one was operating on this kind of force of fate and prophecy so like oh warrior of light and sarah have to fall in love it's just the rules and it's like that that's not really a basis for a particularly great romance and the writing is just not here and it only gets squickier now that one of them is pretending to be the sister character in every anime to the point like, Oh, Oni-chan, I need to go and cook you supper, don't you? Just like, oh, God fucking damn it. What is this fucking shit? So she becomes a more headstrong, separate character. And Maya, who, as I mentioned before, basically does not exist in this season. She does so little. There's one moment when she kind of buys into the whole rune thing and kills a bunch of people, then she's immediately cured. But that is it. Like, she's just... She's window dressing. She is, uh... She's Yuffie in the airship, where she's still part of the party, but, like, you're, you're never using her. And it's not like this is a game that actually has a cla- like a party system at all. It's just one character that you control fighting monsters. As far as I can tell, I might be wrong, because I didn't play this, but it really does seem like structure just from the cutscenes, that it's only one character at one time. So Sarah goes off and uh, she decides to go find the Tower of Hope. But interestingly, it's actually Sophie that finds the Tower of Hope while looking for Anosia. Along the way, by the way, uh, she can't find Anosia anywhere. Uh, She finds the Tower of Hope. And as I mentioned before, the blanks are basically lemmings. So all the guys that are at the Tower of Hope, they are working themselves to death because hope. She's like, we got to do hope. We got to do hope step. Hope steps. Hope, hope, hope. And Sophie's like, no, this is really a bad idea. I think you guys should uh, work part of the day 
and rest another part of the day so maybe you all manage to actually survive and accomplish something. And they're like, oh my god, Sophie, you filled us with even more hope. Which, of course, will come back to bite her later because these guys start getting really manic with the hope later and a whole bunch of them get killed. Because, again, like, you, you cannot, you can't do anything with them. They're like three-year-olds where basically they'll find anything in the house and try to what erase their existence with it because they just don't know any better. <sighs> anyway, Sophie is now kind of trapped between two fictional paradigms. There's the Anosia one with the collective versus the uh, free citizens. And there's the Tower of Hope, which is this bastion to fight off the warrior of despair whatever that is, not that anyone seems to know. And it all seems like this is all kind of being made up on the spot by some kind of cosmic deity. Perhaps a very pompous cosmic deity that is untrustworthy and full of lies. You know, you're just, just, just throwing it out there. This could all be Vox manipulating everybody. I, this is what I was guessing the entire season, and... Um, as I continue to recount, we'll find out if I was right. Meanwhile, Graf. Graf actually goes to Warrior of Light's uh, village, Omega. Uh, he has the misfortune of coming just around the time that the village is completely subsumed in collectivism. I, I guess that's the term to use, <laughs> I guess. Uh, he ends up killing one of Warrior of Light's friends. There are these three friends that Warrior of Light gets. None of them are particularly important or interesting. They don't even have their own unique models. Or, like, if they do, it's, like, one of the laziest jobs that anyone's ever done to build a model. So, uh, anyway, he gets stabbed by another one, and he does escape with his life. It's at this point he starts getting visions of becoming the Warrior of Despair, and later we'll see an evil graph appear in his dream. And um, this is classic Star Wars rules here where, you know, you, you don't kill your father. You kind of uh, spare him. And by sparing him, you become the better man, right? And then you win over his heart. No, that's not how it works. Uh, evil graph just kills good graph. And then it's evil graph running the show rest of the time. Uh, he becomes the warrior of despair. Uh, turns out that there's evil fairies manipulating everything. They're the ones creating... They're actually the ones that create the monsters. About, turns out all the monsters you've been fighting this whole time, fairies have been doing it. Uh, they're also the ones creating the runes. They're creating the illusions that everyone's falling in love with. Uh, they give him an extra spicy rune because inside of that rune is the power of chaos. And now Graf is as immortal as chaos was in season one. And Sophie, meanwhile, at the Tower of Hope, has so filled them all with hope that she's effectively playing the Princess Sarah part until Princess Sarah shows up like five minutes later and then just becomes the Princess Sarah part again. And it's like, oh, wow, we've reverted right back to season one, haven't we? Again, sure seems like we're getting manipulated by some kind of uh, asshole in the sky. I wonder who could be doing that. I really do. Uh, Chaos shows up. Sophie almost gets killed fighting it. Uh, various characters who are not particularly worth going into or dealing with. They actually do get killed, but then show up later. I Maybe I just wasn't paying attention very well, but I swear to God, these dudes are dead. So I, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what I misunderstood at the time. 
Uh, all the kind of cool metafiction stuff, it's all gone. Because, like, at this point, whatever reality there was is gone because we're just back to season one again. I mean, you know, it's like you beat capitalism and capitalism just came right back. God damn it. You know, it's almost a sort of... Uh, you know, there was like a 70s kind of view in socialism where that capitalism was unstoppable and would find you no matter where. If you ever read, you know what, I'm going off topic again. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I don't particularly care for those sorts of views. There has to be this concept of defeatism that you can't defeat capitalism. Not particularly useful. Um, I find these concepts in Final Fantasy games where it's just this endless cycle of fate that you can't break away from. I find that also pretty frustrating. I don't, I don't particularly like those kinds of stories. Uh, neither does Warrior of Light. He shows up. He saves Sophie's life at one point. Then Graf as Warrior of Despair shows up and he stabs Sophie. Then he reveals he reveals that Sophie is uh, not Sophie. Guess what? Oh, big twist. Yeah, it turns out that uh, Graf's real sister Sophie, she died years ago. Somehow, it's never properly defined or explained, but uh, this fills Sophie with so much despair that she becomes a different beacon or avatar of evil, as one does. You know, she turns towards the dark side, and uh, Warrior of Light, he starts to notice something going on that, you know, Graf sure is making a lot of big, pompous speeches. sort of reminds me of a guy named Vox. Which Vox then reveals himself. Yep, Vox is behind it all. And Vox has another twist for everybody. Turns out he does not want Graf to be the warrior of despair. He doesn't even want Sophie. Like, it seems like there's like a bit of a -a whack-a-mole. Like, who's actually going to be the final boss? Is it going to be Graf? No. Is it going to be Sophie? No. Actually, the one he wants to turn towards the dark side. His new strongest apprentice. His greatest work. It's going to be Wall. And how's he going to convince Wall to go and join up on his evil side? Well, he's going to reveal a bit of a plot twist. This is one I didn't see coming. This is one I I never would have even imagined because it's it's real bad. It's it's shocking. Uh, It turns out that Sarah has had her memories this whole time. And this... Kind of siscon thing that she's been doing with Warrior of Light. She was conscious of it the whole time. And Warrior of Light so is shocked and filled with just abject, just like, just, you like, how would you react? Like, really? Like, like, just put yourself in this scenario. You obviously, you would never be in this scenario where you would have a girl who is a romantic interest that you're allowing to think is your sister. But let's say that it turns out you weren't manipulating her. She was manipulating you. And your whole relationship is this just horrible, twisted web of lies and deceit and gross fetishes and God knows what else. Uh, he so flips out that he becomes the warrior of despair. Yeah, it's Wall. Wall is the final boss. Or is he? So, you might have noticed that Sophie uh, has no name and no identity and no backstory. Uh, they they get rid of that real easy. They do it like Simpsons uh, Principal Skinner style. Where they ask Sophie, like, you know, Sophie, you can be anything you want. You can pick any name you want for yourself. Be anything. Go anywhere. Do anything. It's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to be Sophie. It's easier that way. It's like, all right, cool. We don't got to rename the character. Uh, we don't got to rename the page on the wiki. It's 
better that way. I'm fine with that. So, <laughs> all of the heroes join together, and they have a big, grand fight against Warrior of Light, who has now become this dark avatar of pure evil. Because, of course, he has. And, you know, he's looks like the classic Amano art of uh, Chaos from Final Fantasy 1, because, of course, he would. They, uh, they knock his mask off, and, you know, Sarah goes and gives her big corny speech to try to win him over to go back to the good side. Like, no, Wall, you're so important to me, and love, and truth, and whatever. Doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. As it turns out, it's actually Echo from season one. Her thing, her, like, Sundare speech of, you big dummy, come back and save me, whatever bullshit, you know, you... You know the tropes. It's all it's all so stock. It's so stock. Um, that works. He he turns good, and then everyone's standing around. They're like, "Yeah, well, um, I mean, that was kind of a final boss. But we need to have like a final final boss because we're not getting a season three. We're not getting one. We we got to figure something out. We got to have some kind of grand conclusion of this. That's when Vox up in the sky." Uh, Vox has multiple points during this game complain that he doesn't have a body. It's like, yeah, I would love, you know, I would love to fight chaos myself, but you know, I'm a disembodied voice that can only manipulate people with bullshit prophecies and whatever. But you know, yeah, you do it. You know, you guys, you guys got it. You got it. And they're all like, Warrior of Light looks up to the sky, looks up to Vox. And he says, you know what, Vox? 1v1 me IRL. And then Vox is like, yeah, what if I took physical form and 1v1 you'd IRL? And that's what he does. Vox uh, becomes a armored dude that looks like Emperor Mateus from Final Fantasy II. Um, oh, oh, I did... I did miss a important detail. Uh, Warrior of Light, when he was evil, he had a sword with an infinity sign on it. That is the only time in any of these games that the term Mobius in any way means anything. There is no Mobius. There's no mention of infinity. There's nothing else out that. There's just one sword with an infinity sign on it. That's it. And the thematic recurrence of a recurring cycle of evil, whatever capitalism controls everything fuck you whatever go on so now that vox is a physical form everyone fights him and beats him up and then vox dies and he goes floating back up to the sky and because he's an immortal awful god thing you know everyone's just like you know what he's gonna come back he's just we're just gonna have to fight him again aren't we he's just gonna have to do this fucking shit over and over again and Warrior of Light's like, dude, we're not getting a season three. They've run the calculations. It's over here. We need kind of a better conclusion. Uh, so, Vox, why don't you next time become the Warrior of Light? And Vox is like, oh, that would be the ultimate illusion of them all. Or he actually says greatest illusion, but, you know, ultimate illusion... Final illusion, whatever you want to say. Almost like a final fantasy. And uh, that's that's where it all wraps up. They, they play the crystal theme, and there's a bunch of chanting ladies, and there you go. That That's your game. That's 
That's Mobius Final Fantasy, the end. Oh, and one final, final note. I do want to credit the uh, YouTube channel that has posted and hosted all the videos I watch for these cutscenes. This is the channel Dark Cloud. Uh, you guys have, or I don't know how many of you are, but you did a fantastic job archiving this game. And I thank you so much for hosting those videos. Yeah. Because otherwise, this game truly would be lost from time. So thank you so much, Dark Cloud. Just want to go and credit you guys. Anyway, back to the original recording. Uh, let me just go bomb, 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 ba da 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 bomb, 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 bomb. Hey, Blue. I, I think Techno actually did leave. Because <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a yeah, while. I, I, mean, yeah. I didn't pay attention to any of that shit. Oh <laughs> For a second, I thought we actually had killed you when, when we... Yeah, I had started talking about all the fetishes this game seems to have. <laughs> so anyway, Vox dies, and he's going to come back, and he's going to be a good guy this time. And then the crystal theme plays, and it's actually, it's a very good rendition. And everyone lives, I guess, happily ever after. The end. Good for them. I guess. So that was, uh, that was 14 yeah, hours I, of my I, life. I, I think, um... I think uh, yeah, the person in all that story who might have been the most correct is Garland at the end of season one going, fuck this shit, I'm going to ride the hope stream out of this universe. <laughs> I'm going to just get out of here. I've had enough of this crap. <laughs> I'm so, you know, Garland was like my favorite character in season one, and I'm so annoyed that he never showed up in season two at any point. Maybe they had bigger plans for this character. He also never became chaos. Like, that's against the rules. You can't have a garland and a chaos and the twain shall never meet. What the hell? Yeah. My lord, is that legal? It's, apparently it is. So anyway, um, I suppose my responsibility as an admin on this wiki is to go and fill in all our unfinished Mobius Final Fantasy pages with all the information I have, but I refuse to do so. I just, I just yeah. won't. I don't blame you, mate. Well, at least we have this now, so you know, no one else has to look at the 14-hour video to do so. Now they just have to watch this two-hour video. Yeah, yeah, or the two-hour podcast. Or if you want, I have my notes saved. I can go and send them to you. Including, <laughs> like, because season one, my notes are like 500 pages long. Like 500 words. It's real simple. Like, there's not much that happens in season one. Season two is, I've cut out so many meanders in the plot. Just so many, just nothing happens where this goes that way. And just long conversations. They just hope, despair, hope, despair, hope, despair. I cannot fucking hear either one of those words. And if you remember that hope is a character in Final Fantasy XIII, it just, it just becomes incoherent at that point. <sighs> So I've now done my duty. The thing with these like weird ass freaking mobile ports, right, is they always pull you in by saying like, yo, you can play as like your favorite characters, you know. So the whole pulling point of Record Keeper originally and now Opera Omnia is, oh, you can make a team of freaking like, you know, like my favorite team is you're going to put Kafka in the same team with Tifa and Oren. Or like you know, you can like mix and match all these people together. So like the the whole thing that pulls you in is all these other characters, right? You know, the mm -hmm. other people that you actually care about. 
right? And then they go off and tell their own original story with their own original cast of characters. And I'm like, motherfucker, I don't care about this shit. Like, fucking War of the Visions does the same thing. Because they have this whole, like, the whole drawing point of, oh, it's Final Fantasy Tactics, except you can have whoever you want in your party. So recently they added, like, Terra, Locke, and Celeste. It's like, oh, it's Final Fantasy Tactics, but your units are Terra and Cecil and whatever, right? By the way, we have this whole ass story that's basically like a much weaker version of the tactics story, like much weaker. And actually the whole game is about that. And I'm like, I do not care about this shit. Well, I- I don't know why they do it. (laughs) I do have some good news is that there is Cloud and Squall and Tidus like add-on stories that you could do. I did not watch those cutscenes because each one of those is like two hours long and I, I put in enough work already. I also, yeah. I do want to bring up, uh, I think it was called Near Resurrection or Reincarnation. I think Reincarnation, that was it. That was the game from last year that I played for two weeks. I played like five hours a day because I was really interested in where the story was going. It starts out, it's got this like experimental structure of you're a girl walking through this like ruins tower thing, but along the way you keep seeing these interesting short stories and are kind of curious like because some of the stories seem like they connect and all these individual characters and twists and stuff and like hmm this whole web of things could create this like like this web of metafiction and maybe there's some deeper meaning to any of it and of course the answers are just not that interesting because they have to pad this out for fucking half a decade and you end up with nothing So if there's any conclusion here, it's don't play mobile games because even when they have cool experimental postmodern concepts coming in, even when I can reference Borges in my description of them, there's still a damn waste of time and they'll disappoint you and they'll be shut down and nobody will mourn them. I am instantly turned off by any story that does nothing but pad out the time and keep giving me constant cliffhangers like dangling over my head like you know something exciting is gonna happen and there's gonna be some payoff and then it never gets there because they have to pad the fuck out of it right that's why you know i feel like the only person on earth who disliked the loki show i fucking hated it because that's all they were doing i it was, it was just quite like the loki show a fucking cliffhanger well the loki our- show. I, I liked it up until the very end when it turned out to be a cliffhanger and they're like, oh, you yeah, want to know... Exactly. Well, wait, wait, but what was great about that is you want to know what happens next? You got to watch Ant-Man 3. And I'm like, fuck no, I do not need to watch Ant-Man 3. Go fuck yourself. Right. I am not watching any of those goddamn movies. I hate Ant-Man so much. Anyway, we have gone... I don't, I don't, I don't hate Ant-Man, but I do hate the ending on a fucking cliffhanger. Like, we have gone. The episode ended on a cliffhanger. We've gone. Ex- we've gone extraordinarily long. I just want to point out one thing: is that Mobius yeah. Final Fantasy feels in conversation with Dissidia and actually also, you know, Stranger Paradise. And I'm kind of curious why they keep adapting Final Fantasy One into these extremely opaque 
bizarre, complicated systems of fate and betrayal and the gods trapping you. And, like, it, you always get the sense that whatever you do is hopeless. And if you play along and beat the next boss, you're playing into whatever grand scheme of whatever awful deity is ruling you along. I don't know why this is their vision of Final Fantasy 1, which was a game where, you know, you were just... You and a group of buddies go to a dungeon and you beat up a monster. And then you save a village. That's all that game was. Why can't it be that? Why does it always like, have to be... Kind of they're just kind of extrapolating Garland's big plan for you know immortality that he gets to kill the heroes over and over again yes and it just like the thing is it, it's a it's a game from the 80s even with the interesting plot hooks it wasn't meant to be explored that deeply it was just a D&D &D campaign that you played on your NES that was all it was yeah, yeah. basically and instead it becomes this just incredibly weighty thing. I also, I'll just be honest, like I don't like the way Final Fantasy XIII's plotting is. There is something cool about this tension in a video game sense of you being trapped in, I don't, maybe ludonarrative dissidence is not the right word, but like your only verbs that you have are exactly what's going to play into the evil mastermind's plan and you are trapped in it, and you must continue along the route. There's a cool tension there. I don't think any of these games have quite managed to nail it in a satisfying way. Instead, it just feels like I'm stuck in this annoying story with these annoying characters following this annoying guy's instructions. And you know what? Fuck the Falcon, fuck Cocoon, whatever. It can all blow up. I just don't care at a certain point. And then I become the sarcastic warrior of light guy. And now I understand why he's such a, you know, caustic asshole. Because he's stuck in this idiocy. He's the one person in the entire world who realizes how dumb this all is. And he likes Moogles. I was gonna say, like, you make a really interesting point. Like, you know, the it's like the all three of those have seemed to have gone with the idea of the story being that like you know that everything you do is effectively pointless because it's all like preordained to it's be all cycles of it. yeah it, it's yeah, all cycles like of cycles of cycles Ugh. it's interesting that you point that out because i never noticed that before but that's exactly what that's exactly what they're freaking doing with all their final fantasy one adaptations or like prequels or whatever you want to call them yeah it is yeah I mean, they, they keep going with that same theme and when you think about it it's such a depressing theme but it's also so self-defeating because it's like haha we're gonna keep giving you more final fantasy one content and our excuse for that is that it's all preordained by the gods to force you to go through it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again i'm like that is shitty writing I don't know if it's bad writing. writing. It's just, it's not writing for me, I guess, is how I'd put it. it I, I could see the appeal of it for some people, but I would definitely not recommend watching all 14 hours of uh, Mobius Final Fantasy. I would also not recommend the game because the game was extremely boring. Um, yeah. As for what to do with so, this thing. Like, at least uh, with all of, these, all of these things, at least Stranger Paradise had a sense of humor about it. Right. Yes, this game has no sense of humor at all. Even the Moogles, yeah, like, even the Moogles are fucking blown up and they're tortured horribly. 
the cute mascot characters. Makes fun of itself, and Dissidia gives you all these fun matchups with the you know the Final Fantasy characters that you loved, and you kind of don't care about the story of Dissidia. Like no one's going into Dissidia thinking, oh wow, I'm gonna have this epic tale where my heroes join forces against like no one gives a fuck about that. They care about. You know, having this fighting game where you get to pit freaking Garland against Zidane or whatever. Like, that's all they care about. Like, they don't care about the story around it. I, I did care about the story like and I was... For it. I was... An, I did care about the story and I was immensely disappointed. I, I remember playing oh, through all okay. the Final Fantasy games when I was a kid and I would, like, imagine... What would happen if all the heroes of all these games and all the villains, they had their big epic fight... And instead, what came out was this just immensely tedious. That's the other thing. It's like these cycles of you cannot break out. It also helpfully allows them to pad the game out to a ridiculous degree. So exactly. like 13, you it's walk like for 40 hours. And in this game, you walk for 40 hours. And in Dissidia, there's, you play 40 hours of just the same fights over and over again. So... I don't know. I we have to end. Yeah, I, I cannot. I, I cannot keep going at this point. Yeah, we can end. All right. This end. has been an enormously Basically, long episode. Basically, don't play this game. Well, you can't play this then game. Maybe, <laughs> Even if you could, play don't play it. Anyway. Maybe don't, don't imagine yourself playing this game. Maybe yeah, some games are better off destroyed forever. All right. Well, um, this has been the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast. Uh, that was the month of July. Next month, we'll um, we'll do something else, I guess. Uh, my name is Blue Highwind. I'm the host of this thing, and um, I'm sorry if that description of the game was a bit tedious. Um, that was the best I it's could do. It's not his description. It's the game itself. It is yes. not your description. I suppose that is true. Um, there was no description you could have given where you like did it. I mean, you, you're saying you already left out alternate details, but like, there's no description you could give that would be like you know, listenable and under like freaking 15 minutes. Do you no, know, I actually, could not do it under 15 way, minutes. You know the way you could do it under 15 minutes. Is if you have a Buster Rhymes rap for the whole thing. I'm not doing That's that. That's the way you could do it. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. That so will not be done. Full circles of things that happened before Blue started recording. Yes, and, and nobody even recording. knows what you're talking about. Anyway, to wrap things up, last final thing I must say is our music is La Montaña de los Caballeros of Venice, which is the Mount Colts music from Final Fantasy VI. It is from Expert Novice. Thanks for letting us use your music. It is from the Balance and Ruin OC Remix track, album, whatever the hell. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back in August with something. I don't know what, but it'll be shorter than this one. Have a good night. Hey.